Well, praise the Lord, everyone. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) You got to be here every Wednesday now. (laughs) On the front row. Come on. Uh, God is good, is he not? And his mercy endures forever. And it's to what? Every generation. I'm thankful for the love of Jesus Christ. We are living in a time where we need his love more than we've ever needed it before. Amen. Amen. And uh, I'm excited about teaching the word of God. Last week we talked about salvation from all and we talked about believing, having faith. Tonight we're going to walk into the next part of our, our understanding and our series tonight on salvation for all. So if you want uh, online, I hope that you will grab a Bible, a pen, a pad of paper to write some things down or your phone, take some notes. Or you can, of course, go back and watch this at a later time. And um, I'm going to ask if you're online that you'll share this with somebody you know that the Lord's talking to them about their salvation experience with Christ. And uh, it's a great thing. So tonight we're going to cover this. I'm doing these series so that we can I, can, I can publish them later. I can publish them in six months. I can publish them next month. And we can re, re publish them. People can rewatch them because it's, this is a vital, vital thing in our lives. So let's talk about salvation from all, for all. Um, uh, we're going to go to the book of Acts 16. We read this last week and we're going to read it every week because it's the essence of what we're trying to get to. This is the Philippian jailer. This is the jailer that what, that, uh, thought everybody had left. Paul and Silas had sung and worshiped God. The earthquake came in the book of Acts and what happened? They were released from their prison. And, uh, and of course, the jailer is like, ah, I'm just going to end it all. And they were like, no, no, don't do that. Stop. We're all here. And this is what he said when he saw them. He said, and he brought them out. The jailer brought them out of that prison and all of the chaos that went with the earthquake. And he said, sir, what must I what do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? It wasn't, you know, what sort of kind of, you know, what? No, it was very emphatic. He was convicted. Everybody say convicted. He was convicted or pricked in his heart by the word of God, by the worship of God. By the way, worship is so vital. We see in this chapter that Paul and Silas hadn't been preaching the word. They were singing and worshiping God. And through that worship, God convicted the heart of the jailer, right? And that's what prompted him to say, hey, I got to do something with my life. How, what must I do to be saved? I want what you have. And so the jailer says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? We know that this, this ask happened also in the book of Acts chapter 2. You can read and see that there was a people, men and brethren, what shall I do? What, you know, what shall we do, they asked, to be saved? After they were pricked in their heart and Peter preached the gospel of Jesus Christ on that day of Pentecost. So we can see here that he asked this question. I want to ask you, what must you do? to be saved? Where are you at in your salvation? Where are, are you pursuing God? Are you asking God to reveal himself to you? Are you asking God to help you uh, find him more and more? It's very important. So let's look at Acts 2.38. How many love Acts 2.38? Uh, Brother Carl, I didn't hear you, brother. Oh, you waved your hand. I needed an amen hallelujah. I needed the excitement you had last week. <laughs> uh, we lo- Amen. Uh, Acts 2.38. Uh, is a very important passage in our scriptures um, as to concerning the things that we must do to be saved. 
I want to make sure that you understand, and I know that this is a good point for me to make this distinction, but Acts 2.38 is a declaration. Everybody say declaration. declaration. Or response. Everybody say response. response. To the gospel. So they heard the gospel, and these are the things that happened. This is what they were commanded to do after hearing the gospel. This is not the gospel. This is the response to the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? This is the response. So when you hear the word, this is the response that God is saying, I need from you in order to confirm the word in your life. That makes sense? So let's look. And Peter said to them, what? Repent. Everybody shout repent. repent. Look at your neighbor and say repent. repent. Yeah, she's over here. She's like pointing at him. You need to repent. <laughs> I love that. Um, because why? Repent. We're going to talk about that word tonight. Repent. And let every one of you be what? Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the what? Remission. Everybody say remission. Of sins. Now, uh, you don't want to miss next week because we're going to talk about being baptized for the remission of your sins. We're going to talk about what that is, how it happens in our life. Is it a work? Is it, a, is it something we do on our own accord? Is it a command? We're going to talk all about the importance of the name of Jesus. And we're going to see where God will take us. I'm excited about that lesson. I've already got it prepared. I'm already, woo, I'm excited. Anyway, um, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you what? shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So there that word shall. Does anybody know what that word means? Huh? Absolute. It's, it's absolute. It's going to happen. It, you shall. You get, if, if you eat uh, cake and ice cream, you shall gain weight, right? It, it's an absolute. It's going to happen. You hear me? If you eat chips late at night, bags and bags of chips, I don't ever do that. And, um, or Cheez-Its, I don't ever, ever do that. <laughs> um, then you're not going to gain weight. It's going to be all wonderful. Your sugar's going to be fine in the morning. Well, we know that's not true, isn't it? No, it's not true. So there's some absolutes. If you get this, this happens. That's the way it is. And so it is here. You shall receive the gift of tongues. Is that what it says? No, it says the gift of the Holy Ghost. You are seeking God's gift in your life, the Holy Spirit, the comforter that is with us. We'll talk about that at length in two weeks. So don't miss that. So let's keep going, right? The do's of the gospel. Number one, faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Believe the gospels. Two is what? Repent of our sins. Everybody say repent of our sins. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about repenting of our sins. Now, traditionally, you know repentance, the word repentance. We have heard the story and understand it that if you go and visit uh, the guards at the palace in England, you'll find that they scream. Even those uh, men that are soldiers, I believe they still use the word repent when they are uh, the unknown uh, soldier, the tomb of the unknown soldier. At the end of their route, they repent and they turn and walk the exact other way and repent and they walk because the word repent repent means literally to turn around to go the opposite direction can we say opposite direction? I want you to understand that God did not call you to a detour from sin he called you to be delivered from sin I want that sink in for a second God didn't call us to make new routes around our sin he called us to turn and be delivered 
Too many times we settle for detours. We feel better for moments. We feel better for a season. When God has truly, has truly, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're online. Uh, Brother and Sister Choco Thomas came in. And <laughs> they got scared to death. His eyes would come out of his head. Anyway, back online. Here we go. <laughs> so, so, um, so, too many times in our lives, we detour. Everybody say delivered. Uh, God said uh, to and commanded and, and helped David to understand that he didn't just knock the giant out with a stone. He went and cut his head off with a sword. Too many of us leave our giants still living. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? We leave him knocked out, but not killed, not never to be resurrected, never to come back alive, never to wake up. And God is calling us to, to chop the head off some things, some sinful things in our life. And you only do that through true, honest, heartfelt repentance. Repentance is not something you can measure by your own heart. God is the only one that knows your heart. Repentance is something you measure by the word of God. Ah, did you hear what I just said? Repentance is turning. It produces fruit. If you're continuing sin and hoping grace will abound, Paul said it ain't happening. Right? Because we can't consciously, knowingly. Now, there are many sins. We are, everybody say, I'm a sinner. Uh, but I'm also saved by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we're going to focus on what God is giving us. But it doesn't excuse us to continue in sin. So God convicts you, confronts you, and says, you must turn. It's in that moment, if we continue in sin, that God withdraws his grace. And says, you got this? Okay, let's see how that all works out for you. And in that moment, we recognize that repentance is needed again. Grace has been given, but now I'm walking willingly in sin. I need to go back to the altar and repent and plead the blood of Christ in mercy over my life. We're going to talk about grace in summer. I'm going to reteach a series I taught about five, six years ago that is uh, it was so amazing because it's God's word. Uh, reaffirming that. So let's look here. I'm going to keep going. Faith leads to obedience. Everybody say amen. amen. If you have real faith and believe truly in the word of God and what God is doing, it will cause you to obey. I said this last week. I'll say it again. We sometimes have been taught or believe that Acts 2.38 is to be completed and it has like a clock on it. Once we read it and once we begin the first one, it's like, like your check that says good for only 90 days, Right? That's not the way God planned it nor designed it, right? What, how do we know that? Because by grace are you what? Saved. There's a process of salvation. By the way, every one of us today woke up and continued to be saved. We chose to walk in the truth of God's word, obeying God's word to the best of our ability and him filling the gaps with grace that we struggle in. What was Paul said? My grace is sufficient a messenger from satan satan doesn't doesn't bring anything but sin in your life so paul understood this when he wrote about it repentance is the act of humility acknowledging that you are helpless against sin what you think about this repentance is not a mourning 
Listen, a lot of times we feel sorry for ourselves. I'm going to read the scripture here in a minute. When God is saying, I don't want you to feel sorry for yourself. I want you to walk in the grace that I bought for you on Calvary. And don't let the enemy drag you through this pit. Right? Walk away from them. The proof of forgiveness is walking the other direction in our lives. I feel the Holy Spirit here tonight. Romans 10. But they, that, but they have not obeyed. So we know that not everybody's going to obey the gospel. Right? Although the gospel is written and given. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? And then he says in verse 17, so then faith comes by what? If you're not around the word of God, you'll never have the faith that God is trying to give you. Why do I say know your Bible? Why do I say, man, have I challenged you? Dan, have I made you dig? Why? Because if you don't know your Bible, you'll never have the proper faith. Your faith will be shifting sand. Your faith will be dictated by the weather, the politics, the stuff, your trials, your health, your tribulations. Your faith has to be built upon the rock who is Christ Jesus. And that only comes by what? The word of God. Why? Because (laughs) in the beginning was the word and the word was God and it was with God. And the same dwelt among us, right? So in this moment, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must understand that we cannot have proper repentance if we don't have faith. And that faith comes by hearing and that hearing must come from the word of God. I was telling uh, Brother Dan today, we were talking about, about how we must, in this hour especially, not teach or preach our ideas, our thoughts, or our stories. We have got to preach and teach the word of God. It's not Nix's stories that are going to save you. It's the word of God that's going to save you. Amen? So let's look at Matthew. This is an important passage to understanding repentance. And in this moment, I hope that you will take this little journey with me. This is John the Baptist. This is uh, Jesus called him the greatest man to, to walk in shoe leather besides himself. There's none greater than John the Baptist. what he said. So when you review that, you realize how important John the Baptist was to the second coming of Christ, to the coming of God in flesh to die for our sins. John played a vital role. Now I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how God processes us into a place of salvation. What happened? Ah, it's bad. Okay. Uh, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And saying, what did he say? Read it with me. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he said, repent. He didn't come preaching. Watch this. He didn't come preaching resurrection. Is resurrection important? I can't hear you. Uh, He didn't come preaching uh, 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 speaking other tongues and being filled with the Holy Spirit. What did he come preaching? Repentance. Because that was the revelation that God started with, with the New Testament church. I need you to repent before you have revelation of the day of Pentecost. Because without repentance, the day of Pentecost can't happen. You hear me? So we see this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. Now John is the first one that says these words. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Only if you repent. The word repent, we know, turn, right? Repentance is not something we do and are done with. Hear me clearly. 
In Jesus' name, receive me. Repentance is something we do every single day of our life. We do not live in condemnation. The word condemnation means shame. We live in the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, whoa, you shouldn't have told that lie to your boss. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be careful. You just gave that guy the finger on the freeway and you may see him on Sunday. Or not see him on Sunday, but die in a car accident and need to see me. <laughs> you follow me? So we're following after the Holy Spirit as we learn to repent. Repentance is something that is an ongoing effort. It is a lifestyle. Why was David called a man after God's own heart? Because he knew how to repent. He knew how to say with a heartfelt I'm sorry, God, I was wrong. Please forgive me. David understood sin and how it affected his life. Read the story of David. You'll see how sin ravaged his life, killed a child, took a life. All the things that David went through because he sinned. And yet God said he's a man. This is what gives me hope, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Amen. Because that's the, the importance of this, is that we are in a place where we say, wow, uh, I, I don't continue in sin, that grace may abound, but when I do sin, if I repent, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us all unrighteousness. We'll read that passage in a minute. So repentance. Look in Mark uh, 1 and 14. Let me keep going. You ready? Mark 1 14. Now after John, same John, John the Baptist, was put into prison... He uh, had uh, told the king he needed to repent because he was living in adultery, right? He was living in a, a very immoral lifestyle. And he said, you need to repent. So the king didn't like that, threw him in jail. And uh, there was a dance that was danced and a lewd dance by a daughter. And uh, he said, it's so beautiful and so, so lucid uh, of, of being sensual that I'm going to give you all, anything you want. And her mother said, uh, ask for John's head on a platter now this is the most important I, I, this is a side note i won't get into it but this is jesus just said this is a man that he'd never known any, any greater you want to be great in the kingdom of god you might lose your head you might lose your head you say pastor what you? there are some things that you're going to have to be willing to give up in order to achieve what the kingdom requires the kingdom of god in this hour is requiring that we make some sacrifices in our lives that we may have not made five years ago or a year ago or three months ago and those sacrifices are not out outlandish but they're what god is calling each and every one of us to right we're living in a dark hour someone say amen and sin is on every corner but god said where sin doth abound what grace does much more abound that abounding of grace is what we're talking about tonight. But that only comes through the word and faith and repentance. So, uh, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. Now, John just gets thrown in jail. He just got done saying, the kingdom of, he of heaven is at hand. And now Jesus comes right behind him. He's in prison. Now I'm going to take it up. Now Jesus begins to his own ministry. And he says, the time is fulfilled. Now is the time. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. So Jesus quotes John the Baptist. What do you think about that? And he says, listen, 
It's time to repent. Jesus himself didn't start people out at Calvary. Jesus himself didn't start people out at the upper room. He started them out at the place they had to visit in order to go to those other places. Repentance. We as, as Protestants or Pentecostals or whatever you want to call us, we sometimes, uh, we, uh, we take repentance uh, in a very light manner, you know. We, we repent, Lord, forgive me, I'm so sorry for that. And we go on with our lives. And I, I really believe God has convicted me in the last several years of my life about repentance being not a moment, but a lifestyle. Not a, Lord, forgive me, I'm so sorry. Man, I hope that worked. Have you ever repented on the fly? Hmm? Right? You did something you know you shouldn't do, and you go, do I believe God heard you? Everybody say amen. amen. Yes, he heard you. But he needs to hear more of you. He needs to hear... And see your work of repentance. We'll talk about that. So the time is full. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and what? Believe. So now, now Jesus is bringing them. John said repent. And now Jesus said repent and believe. So he's walking us through this process of I'm drawing you to a place where the upper room is coming. And you shall be endued with power when the Holy Ghost falls upon you. So, Jesus says, repent and believe. We know that repentance is not an option, it's a command. Everybody say command. In Acts 19, we're going to find John's disciples. Let's look at this. It's really interesting because he says unto them, uh, this is Paul and the disciples, they're walking along and they meet up with these guys. They're the disciples of John the Baptist. They're people that were baptized and followed John the Baptist. He, they were the disciples that, that probably came to Jesus when, when he was healing the sick. Is, is, shall we look for another? Are you him? Is what John asked, right? Blessed is he that's what? Not offended in me. These are the same disciples, John's disciples. And this is what it says. And he said to them, in what then were you baptized? What does this say to me? Well, I'm going to talk about baptism next week or in two yeah, next week. But it tells me it matters how you're baptized. Because Paul wanted to know, how were you baptized? This is important. This is important. So, and they said, unto John's baptism. They, they said, hey, man, we, we were under John. He baptized us. Everybody say that was God's plan. How many believe that the Jews were a part of what God planned? The Old Testament, the sacrifices, all that happened. How many know that when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law and completed the law. The Jews no longer have to offer bull, bulls and, and, and sacrifice and lambs. That he was the sacrificial lamb. How many know that? Amen? Amen. The same is true here. Is that they did what they knew to do. You got to let people do what they know to do. And then when you encounter them, you don't tell them they're lost and going to hell. Right here it says that they were believers. If you read the verse before this. Believers. I'm about to say believers. believers. They weren't antichrist. They weren't people that were horrible and bad. Uh, they were sinners baptized unto repentance. They had followed what God had revealed to them. Does it mean that God didn't have more for them? No. He had a lot more for them. So they continued the walk. Everybody say they continued. And I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you why. No one to John. And then Paul said, John indeed. Yes, sir. John, that, that guy right there. He was the man of God. He indeed baptized a, a baptism of repentance. Right? He fully understood how important. Paul didn't say, well, man, John, you know what? 
He's washed up. That's old news. No. He acknowledged the goodness and the, the progress that the individuals had made. Wow. You believed and were baptized unto John's baptism. And this is what happened. Saying that the people that they should believe on him. There it is. Baptize, repent, believe. That who should come after him, that is on what? Christ Jesus. If you read this, uh, the next few verses, it says, and they immediately they went and were baptized. They said, oh, we didn't even know there would be a Holy Ghost, right? They immediately went and were baptized. Why? Why did they not say, well, we better study that. We better have a committee meeting about that. We better, you know, why? Because John was always pointing them to Jesus Christ. They knew something greater was coming. I'm not worthy to untie his shoelaces. So they were prepped. They didn't have the fullness of knowledge, but they had enough to believe and repent. Are you hearing me tonight? Honor those and respect those that have enough wherewithal to believe and repent. Don't deny what God is doing in their life. Walk beside them like Philip did to the Ethiopian. Walk beside them. So this is why we got to mentor people. This is why we got to be a part of people's lives. This is why we can't just say, hi, I'm Nate. You need the, uh, God. You're lost. You know? No, that's not Jesus at all. Why is a serpent? Harmless as a dove. We're supposed to what? Be like Jesus. Jesus, what? He ate with them and slept and he was on the road and uh, all around. He was a part of their lives. And so must we be a part of the world. You want to really affect people for Christ? Be a part of their lives. Add value to their life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Repentance is a process. Everybody say that. Repentance is a process of faith, right? How do we get faith? By hearing the word of God. Is a process toward God. A faith process. Preparing the way to receive what Christ purchased for us on Calvary. You don't, you don't start people at the end of where they need to be. You start them in the place that it will build on it. And as their desire grows, their knowledge will grow, which will demand faith and obedience. A person that's truly seeking God, I promise you, they will fulfill Acts 2.38. They will unequivocally fulfill Acts 2.38. Why? Because it's a promise from God. You do this, repent. You believe, you keep going. Then what's going to happen? Right? You begin to seek the Holy Spirit. How many believe the Holy Spirit moves on us? How many believe the Holy Ghost moves on your neighbor, your friend, your family member? How many have prayed prayers and watched God's hand move on their life? It's so powerful. It's so exciting. So recognize there's a preparing of the way. John came to prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus continued the preparation through his ministry. It wasn't until the book of Acts that we find the fulfillment of the promises that he made. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15 and 31. This is the Apostle Paul writing in the New Testament, and he's talking to the, the church in Corinth, and he says, I affirm uh, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ. He said, I'm very proud of you, man. I, you guys are awesome, right? Right? But then he says something that's very important. I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he reminds them, I, what? Die daily. What was he saying? I'm so happy about you. I feel like a father. My buttons are bursting. 
but I'm not going to let pride invade me. I'm not going to let myself get too puffed up. I am going to die to my flesh. I'm going to repent every single day of my life. Why? Because I'm not holy. I'm not perfect. I'm made perfect in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. I'm not made perfect by my righteousness. They're what? Filthy rags. I'm made perfect through the work of Christ on Calvary. And his work is what is sufficient for my salvation. Let's keep going. Acts 26 and 20. It says this, But declare first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should what? Repent. The New Testament, the apostles said, we're going to declare this everywhere. And the first thing we're going to declare, you need to repent. Turn to God and do the what? Works befitting repentance. So the question demands, so are we now doing works? Are you suggesting that we, we, we should do works? I thought works don't save us. Everybody say they don't. There is a fruit of repentance, though. If you're growing lemons from a lemon tree, you better get lemons. And too many times in our life, we speak repentance, but our fruit doesn't bear repentance. Lord, forgive me for doing that, and I keep doing it. Paul talks about continuing sin, right? What he's saying here is that there is a process that says, oh yeah, they've repented. Oh, wow. You can say to yourself, wow, I'm, I feel different. I've, I've changed my ways by the help and the mercy of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Right? He's not talking about works as in we define works like I can you know, give lots of money and I'm automatically saved. That's a work of man. The work of righteousness here is that you produce a fruit of repentance. Some versions say that. That you produce this thing that when you repent, it demands change in your life. That you live it out in a way that people can see it. You can see it the most importantly. So, how do I know I've repented? So the question is, okay, you've talked to me about repentance and I'm understanding that if I repent, God is faithful and just to forgive me. And, and repentance is a part of my salvation experience and is a part of my path in salvation. And, and God promised to hear me when I pray and those are awesome things. But really, how do I know that I've repented? Your fruit. Your fruit. What you produce, the works of repentance that happens in your life. You can't keep cheating your boss and continue in sin and think that you've repented from cheating your boss. It's amazing how much we think we, and we do that, right? Well, somehow we justify it. Well, they got lots of money. They don't need it. It's, no, if it's sin, it's sin. Come on now. So we look at this and we must produce in our lives. You want to know how you repented? You feel different. You change. You change your attitude, your outlook. You change the way you see that thing that you're struggling with. Someone say amen. Matthew 9 uh, and 12. An important passage here. Jesus. Jesus is here and... Uh, Let's read it. When Jesus heard that, them talking and them debating, and you can read it in the backstory later. He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. What do you think about this? How many times have we went to the hospital and they said, yeah, there's really nothing wrong with you, right? Isn't that frustrating? 
It is for me. Like, you go and you say, my chest is hurting, I'm dying. Yeah, you got gas, go home, you know. Jesus is simply saying, you're sinners, you're acting like, you know, I didn't come for you that think you're righteous. I didn't come for you that say, I don't need God. I didn't come for, I came for people that, are, that need me, that want me, that desire me, that are desperate for me. And he said, but, I, but to those who are sick, but go and learn, everybody say, go and learn, what this means. Now, we talk about the commandments of Christ. These are the places we should take note and go and learn. We should go and learn. What did he mean by this? What, what was the point of this conversation? Remember, every passage you read is got a promise, a precept, and a principle. Write that down. Every passage you read has a promise in it, a precept in it, and a principle in it. We can see here that uh, the principle is... Not that he's talking about sick. No, he's talking about our attitude that if we come and think we're righteous, we don't need him. But if we know we're sinners, we know we need Jesus Christ. So he says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You see, sacrifice was required under the law. I feel the Holy Ghost right now sacrifice I could go and buy a dove or a bullock or a lamb and I could go to the priest and I could without sincerity of the heart I could obey a command and get my sin rolled up for a little more while I didn't have to be honest about it I didn't have to be I didn't have to have a pure heart about it all I had to do was follow the rules that was it because God promised that if you do this I'll give you this works that's the law and the reason that jesus said this is, is i don't desire your works i'm not interested in what you do i'm interested in the mercy that i've given you the mercy that you walk in the mercy that's applied to your life i got the holy ghost all over me right now i'm telling you the, the lord is trying to reveal something to some in either online or in this house i don't know but i'm going to tell you right now works can not save you. Jesus said, I'm not, I don't desire sacrifice. It's over. It's completed. I don't want you to go to an Old Testament altar. I want you to go to a New Testament altar and walk in mercy and grace. Repent. Repent. Woo. For I did not come to call the righteous. You think you're righteous? He's not here for you. That's hard. It's the truth. But sinners, everybody say sinners. sinners. To what? Repent. Sinners to repent. Go home sometime and do a study on how many times Jesus talked just about repentance. It's pretty powerful. Because without repentance, the other promises will never come. Never. Oh, you can, you can shout and run around, feel good about yourself, but I'm telling you right now, the long-term effect of short-lived repentances will be death in your life spiritually. Listen, let's keep going. Luke 1, uh, 15 and 7, this is what it says. I say unto you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven, this is Jesus talking, over one sinner who repents. I want you to denote the importance of repentance. One sinner that repents over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. Repentance, repentance, come on, say it with me. 
repentance, repentance. Repentance is not something you do in a moment. It's a lifestyle that you live every single day. So pastor, I live in repentance. Repentance for me has always been so, oh, I'm so sorry, God, right? I don't know about you, but if I cried a lot, that meant I repented a lot. Anybody else with me? If I snotted, man, I really got with God. Woo, man. And I felt so much better about myself when I got done. I couldn't breathe and the snot's dripping down my face. And, and I'm thinking, man, I really did it. Man, whoo, I felt, oh, man, I really got in touch with God. I got news for you. I'm not suggesting you didn't get in touch with God, but the person that didn't snot and cry got in the same touch with God. We, we love emotion because it equals works. It's something we do. We feel. And God is saying, I don't care about we. I want me. I want faith, not feelings. I want obedience and not lip service. Am I helping anybody tonight? So in our lives, you know, if we're not careful, we will celebrate the righteous that pray through instead of the one sinner that repents. Mm. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Luke 24 and 46. Jesus, then he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to what? Suffer and to raise from the dead the third day. Now we're talking about the gospel again, right? He had to suffer. He had to be what? Crucified. He had to be whipped. He had to be uh, shamed. He had the clown of thorns on his head. He had to suffer. And then he didn't just suffer, but he rose from the dead. This passage right here, these words right here, this sentence that you're reading is the gospel in a nice package right there. The death, the burial, and resurrection is right before you. And then he says in verse 47, and that what repentance, what does repentance bring? And what remission of sins should be preached. You want to get rid of your sins? You got to repent. So in our lives, in my life and in yours, we must put the priority where it should be. Getting forgiveness of sin. You can dance without being forgiven. Just saying. I, I was talking to Brother Dan this morning about, you know, we, we enter some spaces in our life and we go, how is this happening? You know, were, were people really healed in that situation? It seems so fake and weird. And, and, and then later you find out, well, they really were healed. We go, well, how did that happen? That just was so, it seemed so weird and ungodly. And, 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 uh, and, and I said, we were talking about this, and I said, we got to be careful in our lives that we don't judge. Because Simon the sorcerer wanted to buy what the apostles had, right? Jesus and his name, there's a, a promise that's attached to that name that's absolute. And that's why the scripture says that he's going to say, I know you prophesied in my name. I know you healed in my name. I'm sorry, I don't know you. You, you used my name because there's a promise attached that's absolute. You do X, Y, and Z, you're going to get the result. But that doesn't mean the person that's doing the praying or the prophesying is saved. Ah, oh, that's why you got to know them that labor among you. That's why you got to know their fruits. Why? Because 
performance of miracle signs and wonders is not the, oh, well, they must, they must have it all together. No, 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 no. God is a promise attached to his name, and his name is going to do those things because that's the absoluteness of the word of God. Do you hear me? When you have his name and faith attached to it, you can have faith and still be lost. You cannot have repentance. Feel good. And repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Let's keep going. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 9. Now I rejoice, Paul writes, Corinthian church, not that you were made sorry. I'm going to take some minutes here. <laughs> Remember I said just because you feel sorry doesn't mean you repented. <laughs> Listen, you can have willpower to stop doing sinful things. The real question is, have you been delivered from the sinful things? I, I, I can have a pretty, I don't know about you, but I can have a pretty strong willpower. And, and for a while... I can abstain from sinful things. I'm, 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 I'm talking for a friend. I, I, just, I remember them telling me this. Um, <laughs> why? Because if we're not careful, we'll think that we can be delivered from sin. When God says, you're not delivered, you're using willpower. Your sickness is still with you. Your heart has not turned Am I hearing anybody shout amen? Amen. Why? Now I rejoice, but not that you're sorry. Paul is pretty fact. I don't, I don't know about you, but there's been moments in my life that I have I've felt really horrible about something that I may have done. Offended somebody or said something I shouldn't have said or whatever, right? Uh, one of my wife's favorite if she's watching tonight, I think she is. Uh, one of my wife's favorite is when I told her I was working late at work and I was really at the golf course. I lied to my wife and she found out. And we've been married 34 years and she still brings it up. I'm going to go and have breakfast with the guys. Are you sure you're going to have breakfast with the guys? Right? Why? Because I sinned. I lied to her. I broke her trust. Right? I felt horrible. For at least 30 seconds. <laughs> Golf course was fun, gotta admit, right? Um, I later calculated, yeah, it was worth it. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, but you gotta understand that in your life that I felt sorry, but that didn't mean I repented. Sorriness is not repentance. So this is what he says, but your sorrow led to repentance. That you felt sorry about it, but you didn't just stop and say, man, I'm so sorry. No, you said, oh God, forgive me and help me to turn from that in my life. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have sins that you repeat over and over and over and over again? And you say, am I ever going to be saved? Does God really love me? I don't know if I'm ever going to make it. And the enemy comes by and says, you're not going to make it. You're going to hell in a handbasket because you're never going to give up that sin because you love it. You like it. You want more of it. And you're just going to keep gawking and keep doing and keep saying. And, and you know what? You're just going to be lost. You are destined for hell because you love this sin. And I'm going to partner with you and tell you this. Every so now, listen, now the accuser of the brethren is alive in our life. The man that just tempted us is now stepping out of the phone booth like Superman. I can't believe you did that. Is what the devil says. 
So it's not about feeling sorry. Everybody shout, not sorry. I'm not sorry. No, I'm not sorry. I'm repentant. I'm changing not because I feel bad, but because I'm a sinner. I hope I'm helped. For you were made sorry in a godly manner. That you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow, come on, talk to me, produces repentance. Leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Without proper repentance, not feeling sorry, true repentance. I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. He's the only one that can save me. That's what leads to salvation. You want to know about salvation for all? You better repent. You better repent. Because without repentance, you're just getting all wet in a baptismal tank. Without repentance, you're never going to receive the true gift that God has for you. Because true repentance brings about salvation. True repentance. The process of repentance. Now, let's talk about for two seconds that sin that does so easily beset us. We read that in, in Corinthians. Paul says, yeah, that file 13, that sin that always haunts me. It seems like every six months I'm struggling with it. Every five months I'm struggling with it. I keep going, oh, I can't believe I did that again. Right? Anybody with me? You say, well, what, what, what about that? Well, at some point, you've you got to say, His grace is sufficient for me. You have to understand what it is. It doesn't mean you continue. It means you keep repenting in an honest spirit, in an honest, and a contrite heart, in humility before God, like Paul did over and over again. God, take this from me. I don't like it. And then what do you do? Well, you stop hanging out at certain places. You start being around other people. You start working out your salvation. You start, oh. you start producing fruit from your repentance. You can't continue to do what you've always done and get the different result. If you continue to do what you've always done, you're going to get the same result. You've got to change your ways. Change your thoughts, change your environment, change your friends, change things that you know cause and lead you to spiritual death. Someone say amen. Amen. Revelations, I'm almost done. Revelations, listen, Revelations 2 and 5. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Everybody shout, I need to remember. Listen, he did not say pitch a tent, build a house, and hang out at your sin where you've fallen. He says, just remember. Because when you remember where you've fallen, you're going to understand what you need to repent about. Repent and do the what? First works. And else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The theme of this passage is repent. Repent, repent. You've fallen. We've all fallen. All have come short of the glory of God. Don't let the enemy make you camp out, build a house and, and, and a fire pit uh, in, in the place of your sin. No, God never intended us to, but he intended us to look back and say, because of that, I cannot do this, this, and this. I must be saved. Amen? Amen. 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 John, 1 John. I'm almost done. 1 John 1. And eight, this is what John writes. If we say that we have no sin, <laughs> one of my favorite passages. If we say we have no sin, I'm all set. I'm once saved, always saved. 
I have no more sin. I'm all set. I don't need anything. Jesus, I do all the checklists. I've given the offering. I, I do this. I do that. I look like that. I do everything. I got all checklists down. So therefore, I, I don't know about you, but I, I know some people like this. I, I literally know individuals, that, a sect that believes that, the, that it's impossible to sin after you've been saved. Well, Paul says, if you have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. That's a severe prognosis prognosis of a a person's life. You don't think you're a sinner? You are the worst of sinners. Because the truth is not in you. If we, but here it is. If, all we gotta do is acknowledge that we're sinners and recognize I need repentance in order to have salvation. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? cleanse us from all unrighteousness so repentance is not just about forgiveness it's about a cleansing and that's why baptism is so important because you get baptized for the remission the cleansing the eradication of your sin you don't want to miss next week because we're going to talk about being baptized in the only name that can save you we're going to talk about it because it's important you recognize it's not a work it's not a public confession it is a command from the word of god that you must obey as a part of the repentance salvation experience does it mean i got to do it all at once no it means you need to do it in due time it means that you need to do it as god speaks to you confronts you talks to you woos you speaks gently it will always be in love if you hear someone speaking to you and it doesn't feel like love, it's not from God. Amen. amen. Someone say amen. amen. I'm, 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 I don't feel like I'm talking in love right now. I feel so strongly about this because I hate when people get wounded from church or religious things and then they forsake the God, not they need to forsake the religion, not the God. And it's the God that saves us. It's the God that died for us. It's the God that brings us to new life. Don't equate this unrepentant. Un- By the way, if you find a church that's perfect, call me, let me know. Because if you're attending, I know it's no longer. It's just the facts, right? So, next week, baptism. In Jesus' name. How many are thankful for the ability to say the blood of Christ cover me in repentance? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap for Thanksgiving. God bless you and keep you. If you're online, join me on Sunday morning at 1035. You can rewatch this. I hope you share this with somebody. It's really good. And I hope that you will allow the word of God to plant a seed in your heart to begin the process of believing and repenting. Join me next week. God bless you in Jesus' name.